When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. Hey, y'all. I'm Stephanie Pena. I'm Stephanie Myers. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. This is a show where we share our memories to the music that has shaped our lives. So glad that you guys are back with us. I hope you enjoyed our 50th episode. Stephanie, I still can't believe it's been 50 episodes. Wow. 50 episodes. And I've even heard from folks that were so happy for us, but they couldn't even believe it. But yeah, you know, we should be very proud of ourselves. Uh, I've really enjoyed this. It sounds like folks are continuing to enjoy us. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just really grateful and it's really exciting. And I hope folks, if you haven't listened to the 50th episode that you go back and do that. Yes, please. All right. Well, time does fly when you're having fun, right? So this is good stuff. All right, guys. So from our 50th episode, we did a merch contest. So thank you everybody who entered. Unfortunately, there only can be one winner. And with that said, the one winner for this contest is Jason Schauber. Thank you, Jason, for listening. Awesome. Jason, Jason, super, super, super um, happy to share our merch with you. We will be in touch um, to get your mug out to you shortly. Thanks again, y'all. Well, Stephanie. Aside from that, um, I know that you went to a phenomenal show not too long ago. Um, Please tell us all about it. Yeah, I had to share it with you and I had to share it with the talk tuners. So I got to go to the Hollywood Bowl to see Willie Nelson's 90th birthday shows, which was a two day show. And it was so awesome. It was so great. It was two days of a bunch of guests singing mm-hmm. his songs. And then Willie came out in about the last hour, um, did his songs, played with folks. So cool. I mean, the man is 90 and he's out there yeah. doing it. And it was so awesome. There was incredible guests. So many of them. This is just a sampling. Chris Christopherson, Billy Strings, Nora Jones, Neil Young, Stephen Stills, Roseanne Cash, Ziggy Marley, Chris Stapleton, Dwight Yoakam, Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing Orville Peck. Uh, If folks are not familiar with him, he's just fantastic. Go listen to his music. He's like a futuristic glam cowboy is the only way I can describe Orville Peck. But I got into his music over the course of the last couple years. And I was really excited that he was there doing that. And he did, I thought, a great choice to honor Willie, the song Cowboysers Frequently Secretly Fond of Each Other. And Willie, <laughs> Willie wrote that, if folks don't know that, because Willie's just a great progressive dude, and it's a great song. And so I thought that was just really cool. There were so many homages like that to him over right. the course of the two days of people just coming into him at different times in their lives and for different reasons. And he has such a, I mean, it's such a prolific discography. Yeah, he's been around for just so long. So I thought that was so cool. And you really got the chance to see that over the course of the two days. 
And a highlight for me was a surprise cameo from Keith Richards, who was not even listed as going to be there. And I was so excited. Uh, I was like, this is so, so cool. When Keith shows up, it's like a great day. And I happened to wear my Rolling Stones shirt that day. And I was like, ah, this is a sign. So it was really cool. It was a really special two days. Uh, Long live Willie Nelson. It was awesome. Long may he run, right? Yeah, absolutely. So King, uh, I almost said King Richard. Keith Richards. (laughs) Keith. (laughs) A King Richards, right? Whatever. That's crazy. <laughs> All random. Super random. Makes me think back for folks that listen to our 50th episode. Our friend Gina um, was terrified of Keith Richards. Anytime <laughs> Keith Richards, but just we were watching some type of show, uh, maybe even some live, you know, Rolling Stones footage, what have you. Anytime Keith Richards was on the screen, she had to turn away. Yeah. Hilarious. I can it's only really imagine um, if she was there present at that show, she, yeah, she might've had a, a little heart attack, but that's so funny. <laughs> anyway. Hey y'all, we do have a really good Willie Nelson uh, episode in season one. So please go check that out. Um, but today y'all today we are here um, continuing our 90s centric theme. And we are going to talk about one of the biggest movies of 1994 and one of the best soundtracks to ever have been made. We are talking about The Crow. Enough said. The Crow. Let's do it. Yeah. The Crow soundtrack, guys. The Crow soundtrack connected to the movie. If you've listened to this show, you've probably noticed we've talked a lot about The Crow soundtrack on this show. And I think there's really good reason for that because it's really amazing. And I'd realized, Stephanie, that we talked about in various episodes about many of the artists that appear on the soundtrack, because Mm -hmm. just in many ways, the soundtrack is like custom made for our tastes. Um, And it's just so, it's just so, so good. I'm just a big, I'm just a big, big fan. And then of course there's just this um, for folks who don't know, sad history of the crow, the movie and the making of it. Yeah. Stephanie, it makes me wonder if, if everybody kind of knows that, if that's common knowledge. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's some folks on the line that absolutely know what we're about to talk about, but we need to bring this up to life again and also tie in, you know, our feelings towards it is, you know, you're listening to talk tuners and listening to our lives. This particular movie, this soundtrack has played such a prominent role in our lives. And yes, and Stephanie, to your point, Many of the artists that are on this soundtrack we have talked about, like, have their own episode within the seasons of this podcast. So it's only right that we talk about the soundtrack as a whole. Um, I bet, honestly, this soundtrack was probably the first one that, like, really made me pay attention to music and movies. Gonna be completely honest there. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, I was excited. So this is awesome. So, hey, we have to pay homage to the movie. So, Stephanie, I'll let you kick it off with a little bit of the history. Yeah, so for folks who don't know, Talk Tuners, the Crow stars Brandon Lee, son of Bruce Lee, and the plotline of the movie revolves around the characters playing the night before his wedding. Eric Draven, who he plays, and his fiance are brutally murdered by members of a gang. And on the anniversary of their death, Eric rises from the grave and assumes um, the identity of the Crow, who's a supernatural avenger. He tracks down the folks who are responsible for the crimes and he murders them and he confronts the head gangster to complete his macabre mission. And it is a 
great movie. Um, and just everything that happened around it is very chilling to me um, yeah. to this day. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. So The Crow, before it was made into a movie, y'all, um, it was a comic. And it was written by James O'Barr. Um, the director of The Crow is Alex Proyas. This came out in 1994. And, you know, Stephanie mentioned that, yes, yeah, so there's a character, Eric Draven, and his fiance Shelley. Um, they were celebrating, you know, be- the night before um, their wedding, which was actually, their wedding was going to take place on Halloween. So the night before is called Devil's Night. And The Crow introduced this. And I really find The Devil's Night just really fascinating um, because from a U.S. standpoint, The Devil's Night really became a thing in the 40s and the 50s in Detroit. So there's a lot of mischief going on, you know, aging of houses, knocking on doors, running away, prank calls, all sorts of things, right? Just, just mischief. And um, this particular film, the way it's set up, it's a very, it's got this industrial feel. It's very like Gotham-like. It kind of made me feel like it was Batman of sorts because um, Eric Draven, the crow, this character is a superhero. Absolutely. And, you know, Stephanie mentioned that, you know, he goes and has his revenge, you know, against, you know, he goes to, uh, to prey on all the folks that ruined his life. And the first character to die, his name was Tintin. Um, the character's name was Tintin. And he had a love of knives. And at the time when The Crow came out, I really didn't know what Devil's Night was because I was young. So I was in the seventh grade, right? So didn't know much about anything. And what made it click for me of what Devil's Night and Halloween was, was Tintin said, Halloween ain't till manana when, when Eric Draven is coming to prey on him. Because Eric Draven's dressed up like the crow. He looks like he's dressed up for Halloween, right? He's got white makeup on, whatever, whatever. And so um, from that, I just remember seeing that first scene. I was like, okay, this is super cool. Because for y'all who have been with us since the beginning, y'all know I have a ridiculous love for Halloween. So yeah, sucked me into this movie within the first 30 minutes seeing this. Um, you know, this movie itself just has like its own soul. I don't even know how to explain it. Like it is, it, it is just, it's a beast and it's, it's beautiful. Um, you know, just talking more about the characters, Eric Draven, what I loved about it is that he was a musician. He was a rock star. So yes, young Stephanie was like super into this because of course, you know, mega fan of rock music. So hell yeah, this movie is awesome. Just want to give some love to other characters. Um, Rochelle Davis is the actress that plays Sarah, who was the was Eric and Shelley's friend. Um, believe it or not, Stephanie, she was doing some research. She's actually our age, so hey, hey, hey. Oh, How okay. cool is that? Very cool. <laughs> you know, being the crow, super cool kid. Wish I would have known her. Um, and Tony Todd, y'all. So uh, Tony Todd, one of the best actors in horror, is in this movie. I love you some Tony Todd. And the cool thing was, is that in 1992, he had just hit the scene as Candyman. So I was already scared shitless of him. And then he happens to make a uh, a presence um, in The Crow, and he plays uh, like a, a bouncer or something, or basically one of the uh, the protectors, the gatekeepers for the head G top dollar. And uh, yeah, so super cool, really great cast. And of course, Brandon Lee steals the show. Um, you know, unfortunately, let's go back to pivoting towards the tragedy of, of The Crow, because it's important. We have to share this. 
Yeah, and this so ties into every part of the movie, of course, including the soundtrack um, that we're going to talk about. But for folks, yeah, who don't know, um, deep, deep tragedy, and it kind of gives me chills just talking about it, but Brandon Lee was killed on the set of The Crow. He was shot with a dummy bullet, and I just kept thinking, okay, it's so unbelievably tragic that not only this happened, but these things are still happening on sets today. Like, it's kind of unbelievable to me. So he was fatally wounded during filming. Um, He had finished most of the scenes prior to his death. And the film was ultimately completed through script rewrites. There was a stunt double and the digital effects of the time. So if you're watching it, and I think there's parts of the plot line that seem a little piecemeal, I think that's obviously why. Um, Yeah. But yeah, it chills me to talk about it, you know. No, totally agree with you. But y'all, if you haven't seen the movie, you're not really going to notice. You have to, it's definitely a little piecemeal, but it it flows. So definitely flows. And I remember hearing about his death, of course, before the movie was even released. So there was a bunch of buzz around it and talking about it. And, um, you know, and I still watch this movie regularly. Yeah, I don't give a shit. The movie's fun. That's great. So, yeah. And it is, it's a masterpiece. And, you know, props to the, you know, to the team of The Crow, because they really did a good job of putting this together and completing this after uh, Brandon's, you know, unfortunate death. And, you know, there's a lot of just some eerie things around this. So, you know, the plot, yes, again, talking about the character Eric Draven as the crow um, seeking revenge against um, all those folks that um, brutally murdered him him and his fiance. Well, Brandon Lee actually was engaged when he was making this movie and he was planning on being married shortly after. That's what? No, it's just so messed up. Beyond, God, no, no, and yeah, it, there's a. I'm gonna go into more, but uh, but yeah, you know, as Stephanie, hey, Stephanie, man, I just can't. Yeah, I just, I'm like speechless. I mean, we know about this, right? We knew yeah. we were gonna talk about this, but yet it still has this effect on both of us. Or we're just like shit. Yeah. Right, <laughs> just, near thirty years later, um, this gosh. it's just all the circumstances are just parallel and chilling and unbelievable. And then I, I know you and I have talked about this, Stephanie, but um, to me, that soundtrack album reflects and refracts all of that sadness that are just contained right within the circumstances of the movie. There's a very true eeriness that permeates yeah. all of it. And I think, I think we're both on the same page with that. Yeah, exactly. So this soundtrack, y'all, it is, it has, the energy goes from, you know, you feel like that superhero energy in certain songs, and then you just feel like, you you do feel that that gothy, overall melancholy vibe. Um, You know, some things I want to share before we dive into the soundtrack itself is, are things that, events that happened around the making of this film that makes it even more eerie. Um, of, over the whole thing. So, hey guys, there is a streaming service called Shutter. It's a horror channel. Um, you can add it on whatever your streaming platform is. And on Shutter, there's an original show called Cursed Films. And from the episode of Cursed Films, they do cover The Crow. And I'm going to share with you guys a couple of things that are just bizarre um, that may have been signs from the universe that maybe this this movie was going to have some tragedy around it. So, hey, y'all, per the curse films, Stephanie, check this out. All right. So from the beginning, 
Supposedly, pre-production offices received an anonymous cryptic voicemail that asked them to not go forward or making this movie because bad things would happen. I just got fucking chills. Ugh. Before it even started! Yeah. And I just want to pause there for a minute, and maybe there's some folks who just are new to this. I'm going to reiterate that this is 1994, y'all. 1994 actually was started in 93 because this released in March of 94. So this was in 1993 when it was being made. You don't have the robocall. Nobody has the caller ID was a luxury. Not everybody had it. You had Mm -hmm. star 69 where you could call back a number, but that was, you had to be in real time. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get a voicemail on your answering machine and be like, oh yeah, star 69 is going to go back and see, you know, who the hell called me. Nah, you ain't got that type of technology. You don't have those resources. So that just hits me on a whole other level. That's scary. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? So, yeah, and um, to further on, the first day of shooting, the very first day, an electrician had an awful accident. He hit some power lines while he was backing up a cherry picker truck. He was electrocuted and was caught on fire. He was treated for second and third degree burns. He survived, but his ears had to be removed. This is day one. Mm. Now, I'm going to go back. I'm not pointing fingers, but you have this voicemail, right? So you have the voicemail. So the folks in in pre-production kind of whoever heard it, right? Because we don't know all those details. We weren't there. You know, we're just reading this, right? So there may be some folks who are like, we can debunk this. Sure, please talk to us. I want to know. But from what I've read, like... Okay, if you heard that voicemail and that happened, I mean, wouldn't you want to, like, bless the set? I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, bring it. Exercise that. Holy water that bitch. Do something. That's crazy. And Mm -hmm. it didn't stop there, y'all. It didn't stop there. So next, this was filmed in North Carolina. Hurricane Emily was around during this time and destroyed the Crow's backlot set. And there, just the cast was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is pretty cursed. And when I was reading, supposedly somebody did, a, did some type of interview and was like, yeah, well, at least no one died. Okay. <sighs> uh... <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> it's so sad. It's so sad. And, you know... This movie was so important to Brandon Lee through research, knowing that he wanted to make his debut and break away from his father's fame, right? Because he born to Bruce Lee, super famous martial art um, actor, you know, still an icon. Bruce Lee is the man. And this was his first film. And this, this is just sad. It's just fucking sad. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. When was the first time you saw the movie stuff? <sighs> um. So I very distinctly remember seeing this movie for the first time at my friend Elaine's house. Mm-hmm. And I was just obsessed with it. I just became obsessed. The story around it is so heartbreaking. The movie is so heartbreaking. Um, I kind of learned everything that I could about it. I just couldn't really believe everything that I was hearing just in this sure. like surreal right type of way. Um, there's a little featurette 
that goes with the VHS slash DVD. That's the making of, and it's interviews Mm -hmm. with Brandon. And it's when you hear them, they're pretty prophetic in the things that he says. Um, He's talking about how uh, life is short. Um, He says something like, Oh, how many full moons do you get to see in your, your life? I always make sure to see those. It's like, gives me chills, like all of it. Um, And I just, you know, it's, it's harrowing to watch all of it. And so I really am obsessed with kind of the legend of, of all of that and all the things around it. Um, I had a big uh, Brandon Lee um, poster from the crow uh, in my room, like for a long time too. And I was just really drawn to his story. Yeah. Same, same here for sure. I had, (laughs) I don't know which one you had, but I had the one where he was in like that chair and he had like this little like look on him, like come here, I'm gonna kick your ass type of look. Oh, I think Um, so. Yeah. That was the one I had. And I went through so many because yeah, this movie changed my life y'all. So for folks, for talk tuners, you don't know me. I'm, I'm a pretty dark bitch. I keep it dark. I like things very, very dark. And I'm like, oh my God, this movie was made for me type thing. I saw this movie for the first time. So I mentioned I was in the seventh grade. Um, Yeah, so I saw it in the seventh grade on Friday the 13th. That was May 13th, 1994. It was cold in San Antonio. Um, Yeah, it's never cold in March. Like, it was cold and rainy. (laughs) Like, thunderstorms rainy. And I went with my friend Angela and... uh, the the crowd themselves you had people dressed up like the crow um it was it was really cool and you know and guys our 50th episode we had talked about big empty which is um, one of the major singles that's on the crow soundtrack um so there um there were some parts of the 50th episode that unfortunately didn't make the cut due to some recording issues um so i'm going to be talking a little bit more about things that, that didn't make that so while i'm watching this movie you would see everyone get like super excited like when Big Empty like hit and <laughs> started playing. Like, yeah! You know, like, there was just so much different excitement there. People were stoked because, yes, of, of knowing the tragedy that happened. People are drawn to tragedy. They want to see this stuff. So, yes, and you're going to have those folks to be like, can I figure out where Brandon was shot and where the, where the new stunt double was? And, you know, can I figure this out? You have those people, right? And you have people just like me who are just like, shit, this is fucking beautiful and I need to watch this movie. Um, and yeah, so it was a really, really great vibe. And so on that, let's go ahead and segue into the soundtrack itself. Um, cause that's, we, this is the whole topic of, of, uh, the main topic for this episode. So let's kick it off. I'll let you start stuff. Yeah. I think it's just, uh, it's really cool. We've talked about several of these bands appearing, uh, on the soundtrack, just in other episodes of this podcast. Cause they're just such good bands. We like them so much. Um, I always think about the Nine Inch Nails cover on the soundtrack of Dead Souls. And yes. that is the Joy Division classic, of course. And I would say I'm pretty selective about covers and how they're done. Yeah. But this is just such a good one. It's just, it's done the right way. And it's a beautiful homage. And also to, um, you know, it's paying homage to a band that also had a really dark past, of course. And uh, yeah, we've had both Nine Inch Nails and Joy Division episodes on the show. We've talked extensively about those. But yeah, when I think about uh, Trent Reznor's um, just harrowing vocals right mm-hmm. around this cover, to me, it just matches the energy um, of the movie. It's perfectly placed in the soundtrack. 
Yes, yes, yes. And so this actual song takes place when Brandon is jumping over buildings, like uh, Brand- oh, Eric Draven. So he's like trying to find his next victim. And it's just, it, it's really cool. It's really cool how I put this song in there. And, uh, you know, just to piggyback on, on Trent and when he created this, he was in a whole different mindset himself. So this guy was this was the first song he recorded in Sharon Tate's house. And for those folks who do not know who Sharon Tate was, she was an actress who was murdered by Charles Manson and his ridiculous, quote unquote, family. So Trent Reznor recorded this song first, and then he proceeded to start recording the 1994 epic album, The Downward Spiral. I just got wild. right there too. It's wild, right? <laughs> Fucking A! Talk about a mindset, right? So, okay, holy shit. And something else, Stephanie, that I had learned while we were doing research for this is that supposedly Peter Hook, who is the, um, you know, we, we mentioned Peter, you know, Peter Hook is part, was a part of Joy Division. So now he is the front man of New Order. They were actually asked to do this song, but something happened. And, you know, they, they fell out and Trent came in and Peter Hook gives mad love to Trent for doing it. And, uh, yeah, but interesting, right? Yeah. Super interesting. Super interesting. And so, yeah, um, this, uh, this soundtrack has a lot of other our heroes talk about the crow. So, uh, the crow and excuse me, the cure, I meant to say the cure, um, another iconic Gothic eighties synth pop, amazing band. <laughs> Right now, currently our hero because Robert Smith's taken on Ticketmaster, right? Yeah, <laughs> so cool. So, um, but yeah, so their song "Burn," which was written just for this soundtrack, is my favorite song of all time from them. I have had the absolute fortune of being able to see this perform live a couple of times, and this sound, this song takes place when Brandon. Lee, Eric Draven, is, you know, reviving himself. He's out of the grave. He goes back and visits his apartment, sees all the shambles, and he starts putting on the makeup and becoming the crow. Holy shit! It is so, so, so captivating and such a strong scene. Like, holy shit! (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. It's so good. It's All of this is so cherry picked perfectly. I think every yes. song that appears on here, there's um, of course the track from my life with the thrill kill cult who we love. We also have an episode about, um, but in addition to having a song on the soundtrack on the album, they actually appear in the movie as a performer in yeah. the onstage music scene. And I wonder if everybody knows that cause it's not, you know, you have to kind of know what you're looking for. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was really cool. Absolutely. Yes. It's, it's a hot second. But again, this movie at the time was that had its own cult following. And this yeah. soundtrack had, yes, major artists, The Cure, Stone Temple Pilots, Nine Inch Nails. But bands like My Life at the Thrill Kill Cult were still considered underground. So mm-hmm. this is like, this is su- super cool for, I mean, man, I didn't know who My Life at the Thrill Kill Cult was until this soundtrack. That's what got me to listen to them. Again, seventh grade. I'm like, oh, who's this band? This is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then also, you know, there's Violent Femmes. Yes. I love them so much. I'm so glad they're on this. They're uh, on the soundtrack with Color Me Once. 
And if you listen to this, it's a pretty dark departure from yes. most of other their yeah most of their other stuff. Definitely including the stuff they're known for. Um, exactly stuff. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I've always loved them. I I am uh, into their B sides. I just I really love them so much. I've gotten to catch them several times live over the years. But I thought it was really cool that they were able to play right into the theme of the movie and the theme of the soundtrack, despite it's like, Oh, their reputation is, you know, kind of upbeat, kind of quirky. Yeah. And actually uh, color me once is a real dark addition to this album. Love that damn song. And the, the way it kicks off, it's, it's just, it's slow. It's mellow y'all. I know people who are probably talk tuners. You're thinking blister in the sun. They say nothing like it. it's a 180. It's a complete 180 and it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. Yeah. Um, Something that didn't make the cut for the 50th episode due to um, our technical difficulties. Um, I want to talk about Big Empty again. So Big Empty, definitely one of the biggest hits um, you know, for STP and really brought the Crow soundtrack to the forefront, you know, on the charts. And such a funny memory I have with this really quick, y'all. So super obsessed. I've already, in case you haven't figured out, big super fan of the Crow, right? Big super fan of STP. So um, around, you know, the movie was about to come out, um, but Big Empty was already out, right? So I already knew the song. And uh, I was in biology class, seventh grade, and we were going to dissect some animal. Really wasn't into it. Didn't want to do it. Um, and I did the most stupidest shit, but yet I saved myself from some other trauma while causing trauma on myself. And I can't believe I'm actually admitting this, but I put tweezers in the socket. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I electrocuted myself. Um, oh my I wasn't hurt, y'all. Obviously, I'm here. I'm 42. I'm alive. I'm doing well. Um, but yeah, um, and I remember 70. I was singing the song. I was singing Big Empty when I, I was just like, Conversations kill. I don't want to do this shit. Don't want to dissect anything. <laughs> And I'll tell you, Stephanie, this is what I this is what I love week after week that we do get to share the stories and memories that we connect just like that, right? To things that have actually happened in our lives. Like I it's all it's all very grounded reality, you know. No matter how stupid it is. And yes, I knew what I was doing, y'all. I knew what I was doing. I yeah. was just this rebel who didn't want to fuck it. I needed to cause some drama. I was like, no, we're not doing this. None of us are doing this. We're not gonna dissect anything. Yeah. Yeah, I blew out the electricity in, in that particular uh, building. Amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you're welcome, everybody from Salado Middle School. Yeah, you're welcome. I did that for you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> aside from that, something that, you know, does come full circle and has a very, very big prominent part in my life was the band Helmet um, from New York City is on this album. Um, you know, they are a band that is very highly respected um, by metal, punk industry, you know, rock in general, just lovers of music. But they had a particular single on this soundtrack called Milk Toast. And it was actually a, a little bit revised for this particular soundtrack. And that was the first song I ever heard live. My very first show was Primus and Helmet in 1995. Um, and I remember, I didn't know, right. Cause back then you didn't know who was, what the set list was going to be. No, not all right. And I'm hanging out, um, in the particular arena that I was at, it, <clears throat> it was like in a quarry and it's dug up to amphitheater. So there are rocks you can go and like literally just sit on. 
um, if you don't want to be be in the standing room or in the seats of the amphitheater. And I'm hanging out with friends, and I just hear the beginning. And I jumped off the... (laughs) Jumped off on the rock, and I'm... It kind of hurt my ankle, but whatever. Oh, no. It was fine. All in the name of, of rock and roll. And of course, I was wearing my docks. So, you know, I was, you know, I was indestructible, right? <laughs> indestructible, immortal and shit. And I just went and ran straight to the pit. And I was like, holy shit, this is living. This Hell is yeah. living. Hell yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love Helmet. Um, but yeah. And so let's just, you know, piggyback a little bit about what we we're talking about, just the eclectic bands that are on this so we've talked about stp you have the cure you have nine inch nails they actually have metal on this too pantera yeah one of my favorite bands pantera has a um, their single is on the album is uh the badge it is a remake of the poison idea which is a punk band out of portland it's a remake of their song Damn, I was just like totally floored. I mean, talk about taste for everyone, right? Because yeah. you have, these are different, different audiences and, and subgenres of rock and roll. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> and that's so, so cool. like, all right, got Pantera there. And then Rage Against the Machine, who we have, um, we have an episode, it's not strictly on them, but, um, you know, talking about their collaboration with Chris Cornell. But Rage Against the Machine themselves are on this soundtrack, one of my favorite fucking bands of all time. And they have been, uh, they have a song called The Darkness, and it's a remake of Darkness of Greed, which was on their demo tape back in 1992. Um, and last but not least, I want to talk about uh, Jesus and the Mary Chain. I mean, Stephanie, that's one of the bands that we absolutely love. This was the first song I had ever heard from them. Had you? Oh, did wow. you know about them before? Uh, vaguely, but this really brought them into my consciousness. Absolutely. So they have a song called Snake Driver, and um, that was fan- fantastic. And uh, I've, I did get the chance to see Jesus and the Mary Chain once. It was in New York, and I had to go solo. I don't know what you were doing that night, Stephanie, but you did yeah, not go with me. where was I? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but saw him at Webster Hall by myself. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that was cool. And the soundtrack itself, um, the end the end, the last song is It Can't Rain All the Time. And it's a song it was sung by Jane Syberry. And from the movie, one of the famous quotes that Brandon Lee says, it says, you know, it won't rain all the time. Or it can't rain all the time is what he says. And I think that was a beautiful, beautiful song to just put at the end. Yeah. Chill. God, I'm chills again. Yeah. Right? Mm. Right? Like, mm. what the fuck? Like, and yes, so this soundtrack came out before the movie, and so you know everything that went around, all the all the tragedy. So there was some thought put into this soundtrack, like com- serious thought, even before, right? Even before, because I'm sure they are. You know, I don't know how movies work. I don't work sets. I'm not in Hollywood, but I know there has to be some type of pre-planned theme. Who are we going to ask? This is important, especially in the 90s, because, you know, music was just different back then. You Mm -hmm. got, you know, artists got a lot of their exposure through film. Mm -hmm. No? So it's just, man, bravo, man. Just fuck. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It was really, um, I thought it was really cool that with that song, that there was that thread. Um, for the 
uh, composer, Graham Revel, and what he scored later. I thought that was kind of amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Graham Revel, he scored movies including From Dust Till Dawn, another fantastic 90s film, Sin City um, as well, and uh, even worked with uh, Evanescence. So, I mean, It's really, really yeah. cool. It's good shit. Good There's shit. just so many, I feel like, amazing gems Yeah, through the whole thing, right, on this soundtrack, and we haven't even covered them all, but it's so, I feel like it's, uh, this has been such like a crucial album to like our musical development that I'm so glad we finally took the time to talk about it and talk tuners. If you have not heard this, like absolutely go check it out. This is kind of a hidden gem that I don't know that everybody knows about. Um, but it's really good and it's really worth your time. Um, on a side note too, I've always thought a little bit of this soundtrack as uh, it's kind of a spiritual cousin to the Mulholland Drive soundtrack, uh, which is a similar vibe. It's definitely different mm-hmm. eras of music, it's definitely different genres, but um, just as far as like the eerie vibe, uh, I always think of those together. Um, and then Lost Highway too, of course, which yeah. I guess we could do a whole <laughs> episode on as well. Absolutely. So I've seen Mulholland Drive and for those uh, folks on the line that don't know, these are David Lynch films. So like the mastermind of yeah. a weird and dark, edgy, creative avant-garde yeah. film. Um I don't, I don't remember the soundtrack. I I saw the movie, but I'll have to mm-hmm. check it out. Um, definitely very well familiar with Lost Highway. Yeah, <laughs> so good. 1997. Yeah, yeah. That was a good year to be alive. Um, <laughs> it was so good. It was just so good. Well, I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out. So and from the Mulholland Drive, is it a mix of like actual artists with songs and instrumental? What is it, Steph? Yeah, there's a little bit of a mix. Um, the Roy Orbison inclusions alone i think give it that give it like the exact nice you know eerie ethereal vibe um that i think was uh reminiscent of the era but definitely reminiscent of lynch his work yeah that's cool awesome 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 i haven't seen that movie in years i will have to check it out and give that soundtrack a listen yeah the, the crow isn't uh the crow is still with us it is. It is. Um, and in this case, you know, we're not going to get into this too much talk tuners, but uh, they are remaking The Crow, which um, is upsetting to me for a number of reasons. I don't have too much to say about that. But, you know, there was so much that went on with this that why would you want to um, bring that back around? Why would you want to bring that vibe back around? Why would you want to court that vibe? So yeah, yeah that's kind of all I have to say about it. I I want to keep an open mind, but to me, this isn't like a regular remake. This is something it's like, wow, there was enough connected with this that you should really leave it alone. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. I'll go on that rant because I don't care. I've, I learned about this in 2020. I've been upset and I'm still pissed. Yeah. No reason for this movie to be remade at all. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Who are they going to put on the soundtrack? I, there's so much to this it pisses me off I'm just not a fan of remakes in general but this one in particular is so good and it stands alone and I agree with you the full circle all of the details not need to be remade it is in post-production it went in post-production in 2022 um, Bill Skarsgård who um, was the actor who brought Pennywise back into our lives yeah. and has been in uh, you know quite recently um, you may have caught him talk tuners in John Wick chapter four Mm -hmm. he is playing the crow 
Um, so yeah, we'll see. I won't be seeing it, but yeah. <laughs> Tell us guys, I'm sure somebody's going to see it and to, yeah. you know, teach their own. Do you? Totally. I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not on board. Yeah. But regardless, Ditto. anyway, it's been great talking about this. Um, you know, Brandon Lee, uh, phenomenal, phenomenal act and talent and all of it. Thank you all to who did this because man, I'm, I'm going to be listening to a soundtrack when I'm 90. <laughs> right. And 90. Well, hey, y'all, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, outside of this, we want to talk to you. I'm sure there's plenty of people, you know, if you've been listening to us since season one, I know that you guys are fans of these particular artists, of these songs, you know, reach out to us, talk to us. You can talk to us on the socials. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Stephanie's Talk Tunes. You can find us on Twitter, Stephanie's Talk. And you can reach out to us via email, Gmail at Stephanie's Talk Tunes. Yeah. At gmail.com. Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. Connect with us there. Please also know we love your reviews and we really thank you for them. Please rate us on Good Pods if you have not already. And if you write a short five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will periodically be reading those here on the show. So thank you for those. Please keep them coming. It so helps our visibility. It just, we really deeply appreciate it. So really appreciating the support. Yes. All right. Well, Stephanie, it has been real. And thank you, Talk Tuners, for listening to us. I really enjoyed this one. And uh, I'll see you guys later. This is Stephanie Pena, and I am out. Stephanie Myers, I'm out. See you in two weeks, Talk Tuners. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.